Jo Wright and this is the Coaching Culture Podcast where we discuss how to make work better. Okay, so welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. My name is Jo Wright and today I'm joined by somebody who I consider absolutely formidable, Kelly Swingler. I have been following you on LinkedIn for a number of years now and then I got the I had the privilege of meeting you totally by chance in at Tim Roberts book launch. And I just had to come over and say hello to you. You were one of the people I thought I need to speak to because you've just intrigued me on LinkedIn for so many years with your story, the things that you share and the feeling that you've left me with on a number of occasions on your post. And I thought I have to speak to this woman. She's amazing. And then we got chatting at Tim Roberts book launch and I was like, I now need to get you on a podcast because you're even more amazing in person. So welcome, Kelly, to our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really, I'm really, really excited to see this conversation goes. And I think probably ditto. I think it's been exactly the same. Like, who's this Joe Wright woman? Uh, love her. I think she's amazing. And yeah, I, I loved her. You kind of came and prodded me at Tim's book launch. Like, hi, I'm Joe. Like, hey, I, I think we spoke for ages, didn't we? Absolutely we, ages. But no, I loved it. I we, loved it. So thank you. Thank you for the invite. Oh, I'm just so excited to have this conversation because I think you touch on so many important topics. But before we kind of, we're really going to focus on well you've got a new book out so we'll talk about that but also about the topic of burnout which I think is really really important and I've been recently looking at some of the stats and apparently three quarters of the UK population have experienced some level of burnout which is a a, a statistic that unbelievably horrified me Um, you're probably like yeah I know that because that's why I'm in this game but I was really shocked and really quite saddened by it and so I'd love to explore this really important topic and and understand what can we be doing better what can organizations what can leaders and managers do better to make such a difference to individuals who are experiencing burnout so but before we get into this juicy topic Tell us a little bit more about yourself because you've got an amazing backstory and I'm really happy to just sit and listen because I know I'll be enthralled by everything you say here. So tell our listeners your backstory. Okay. Uh, Shut me up if I go for too long. I can talk about this for days. No, that's fine. Uh, But yeah, so I, um, I suppose I I started my corporate career back in 98, um, 18 years old, joined a management uh, training, well, management training program straight after my A-levels. I suppose I had always been from from school and even when I started the um, the management training scheme, I'd always been kind of top performer, right? So I was top performer um, and sometimes without even necessarily trying, like I was moved up a year at school. Um, the management training program that I started was like two year program which I'd finished in 18 months. I was the only trainee to be kind of getting, you know, salary increases every six months. We were told we'd get nothing for the first two years. But I think also, you know, a lot of that and what I found throughout a lot of my career was always being told to be just that little bit less. Like we think you're brilliant, but could you be a bit less? We love your ideas, but could we have less of them? We love your enthusiasm, but we want a little bit less. And I was getting that from a lot of my colleagues. I remember one um, particular management team that I was working with as as part of this kind of two years. And literally, I was kind of cornered in the office one day by a group of other managers at my level. Like, could you just stop because you're making the rest of us look bad? And it was like, like, I don't like, like, I don't know how, like, what? What do you what? want me to be doing? Wow. Right? This was, and I was just like, literally, so I was, how I was like 19 at the time. 
um, and literally cornered by these kind of 13, 14-year-old <laughs> managers literally in the office as I kind of sat, sat doing the bouldering. Um, but I, I think, you know, I think I, I've always been really passionate. The reason that I, I went into HR, I wanted to stop this Monday to Friday dying syndrome that so many people went through. So the thinking was I would do this two-year training and then start to specialise um, in in the arena of, of HR. And it was HR that fascinated me from the point that I was recruited. This woman called Gail Powell, um, Matt Manners is on a mission to help me find her. So we'll, we'll put another plea out. If anybody knows Gail Powell, uh, that used to work for the John Lewis Partnership, we're looking for you. Brilliant. Uh, but she was she was really the kind of driving force that that got me to see that by treating people as people and really recognising them as people, this is how you make the difference in the workplace. And so I wanted to stop this Monday to Friday dying syndrome. You know, I would go to the hairdressers and people in the chair next to me would be moaning about their, their boss or their salary or something that was happening at work. Family and friends would be moaning about the workplace, what they were being paid, how all of that stuff was working. It was so. I think my my mission, if you like, kind Real. of big, big. Hey, I'm going to change the world of work. All right, I'm going to go into HR. I'm going to change the world of work. I'm going to create all of these amazing workplaces, and I'm going to, you know, help people fall in love with with the work that they're doing and their employers. And this is this is how we're going to change it all. And, and that really became the the driving force for me. I think. Um, I don't know. If, I think you and I have probably had briefly the conversational chats and things on LinkedIn, but like annual performance appraisals, I scrapped those back in 2008. Haven't done one since. Wow, that's a- ahead um, of the curve. Yeah, so 2008 stopped those, um, and I think you know throughout my my HR and my HR consulting was really passionate. Like, let's just burn the handbook. Brilliant. Because I saw that so many policies were so against people. Yes. Right, we can't help you because the policy says no, right? Yeah. And it's that, um, what's that little Britain sketch? Oh, yeah, like yeah. Computer, computer says no. Computer says no. Right, that's, that's what a lot of it was, right? Computer says no, can't do this because the computer And it was like, come on, right? have conversations with people. And so a lot of the changes and things like, you know, speaking to people was how I was able to make the changes within HR, get leaders on board, you know, increase engagement, increase customer satisfaction because of the way that we were, we were treating our treating our people, doing all of that. And I, and I absolutely loved it. And then I joined an organisation as HRD um, and it was the most toxic environment that I had ever, ever found myself in. Wow. And what was that? On what, day, was what, what was the toxicity? What? How did that manifest itself? I mean, it started. I mean, like day one, Ooh. my gut was telling me you need to get out of this organisation. Right, this is not the job for you. But I'd walked away from an organisation that I'd been at for about five years. Yeah. Um, to go into this role, it was a, it was a more senior level. It was a larger organisation. Like this was the, and I knew the organisation was going to be a challenge. Right. Yeah. So this is my biggest challenge today. Yeah. I'm going to come in. I'm going to transform it. It's going to be brilliant. And I had the most amazing team. But from day one, my gut was telling me you have to get out of here. And I ignored that gut feel. And I think that was probably the first time in my life that I had really ignored that gut feel and carried on. Oh. And every single day from the leadership teams that I, I had at the time, an absolutely incredible uh, boss, a woman called Alison Sofferkin, who was just incredible. Yeah. Um, I remember having a conversation with her about salary increases and like there was a salary band and she was, so where do you want to be on this band? And I was like, well, I'll go in at the 
bottom of the band because this is a role I've not done before. She's like, I'm going to ask you again. Yeah. Where do you want to be on the band? And I was like, well, I've not done the job. So it's like, Kelly, we're going to stop you there. Right? <laughs> I'm going to stop you there. From day one, people are going to expect you to do this job. Yeah. They're not going to be looking at Kelly's never done this before. Yeah. So if you're coming in to do this job, you need to be pitching me top. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> like that was like a re- huge realisation. So there was something there about kind of worth. Yes. And and I'd seen this, right? I'd been asked to speak to, to women groups and, and the, the challenges that women were facing in the workplace. And I could see other people doing this and not realise that I'd done it myself. And she also, I remember very early on in, in the role, I, I was prepping for like my very first board meeting in this organisation. And um, she would finish at five, go home, have dinner with her son, and then she would pick up her emails again in the evening. And I sat on my laptop prepping for this board meeting the following day. And she sent an email and I replied to this email. And she said, just because I work at this time, you don't. She's like, if you set the precedent now, it's always going to be expected. You do never, ever, ever reply to an email after 7 p.m. ever again. Yeah. So I kind of replied back, like, thanks very much. She's like, you've done it again. Stop. <laughs> right? She's like, stop. Which so bit I think of do that, not reply to this email. Are you not understanding? Yeah, yeah. do not reply. <laughs> so I think she she was definitely, I think, one of the very first. And I was, I mean, I'd been, what, 13, 14 years in, in yeah. the kind of space at the time. She was the very first leader and manager, I think, that I saw that really understood the difference about boundaries and speaking your worth and asking for what you want and and where you can go. And she was made, well, she took voluntary redundancy as part of a huge change that that was happening there. The replacements that came into that organisation were all very silo working right oh. it's about it's about what's right for me not what's about not what's right for the organization they all bought with them varying different coaches and consultants that they'd worked with in, in kind of previous lives and all of those wanted to also prove their worth and how amazing they were <laughs> and it just became this organization that there was so much backstabbing oh. and really really poor communication and you know with being in HR you know when you you kind of get told you need to seek approval for everybody before every paper before you go into the meeting to get them on board and talk and so I was doing that you know I was doing the influencing I was having the conversations I was getting yes we agree we agree we agree going into the boardroom and but well we've never had this conversation with Kelly we don't know what this is we don't know what you're talking about we don't know what's going on I'm like come on and I started to have a lot of that. I started to get excluded from a lot of meetings. Um, I started to get ignored. I mean, I was at the time, I was in, in addition to trying to implement a brand new HR team and make all of the changes that they brought me in for, right? We want all of your forward thinking HR yeah. approach. We, you know, we want all of this energy. We want all of these ideas. All of that just started to feel like I was kind of hitting my head against a brick wall. But the organization was also going through a large scale transformation program. And I was the people lead on over 14 projects across the organization, in addition to trying to embed and and get my own team sorted, in addition to all the legacy and business as usual crap that was going on, at the same time as doing my own projects um, that were going to save, you know, X amount of millions of pounds a year. Um, and I and the I was you know the the amount of work that I was dealing with genuinely didn't feel like it was the problem. It was all of the politics and the crap and the backstabbing that started to cause me the issues. Yeah, I wasn't worried. You know, I wasn't having sleepless nights about I've got you know twenty five thousand board meetings tomorrow, or I've got <laughs> ten thousand emails that I need to, it need was to the deal. Behaviors. 
it was the behaviors and the more that I started to kind of fight against that you know and again you know my gut is saying to me you just got to get like you you cannot fix you cannot fix an entire organization you know you cannot fix three and a half thousand people yeah you cannot fix an exec team of nine individually they've got to get on board with it and the more that I tried to get them on board with it the more they would start to backstab and it was um 2012 there were lots of decisions being made within that organization that I just did not agree with that I couldn't get on board with um but it was but you know you're on board with it or you're out yeah and and again the the inner fight of me like I really wanted to make the change within this organization and yeah so it was the, the back end of 2012 and in addition to everything that was going on with the organization I was then told you have to uh, restructure your entire team as uh, so you can't you don't restructure a brand new HR team whilst we're dealing with a restructure of three and a half thousand yeah. people and doing all of this stuff that needs to happen and <clears throat> myself and my team were were told to kind of go into into this meeting room and talk about what a structure would look like what we'd be delivering and they've done the same recently so it's one of the top four organizations one of the top four consultancies <laughs> They'd done the same with the leadership team a few weeks before. They'd had all of the leadership team in, in the room. So I'm looking at how much time is this away from the business? How much is this costing us in terms of yeah. all of us sitting in this room? There were six consultants in the room. One of them was kind of leading the room. One of them was flip charting. Two of them were typing on laptops. Two of them were absurd. I'm like, what the hell? So like, <laughs> this is costing a lot of money. And we'd spent this entire day talking about what the whole of the organisational structure needed to look like. And at the end of it, this consultant, I will never, ever forget it, opened the kind of his ja the jacket of his pinstripe suit, grey pinstripe suit, and he pulls this piece of paper outside of his inner pocket. And he went, this is what your organisation is going to look like. Oh. And I was like, so you've ignored everything that we've told you all day. Um, and he was like, this is what your organisation is going to look like and this is what you're going to make happen. And he did exactly the same a few weeks later with the HR team. And I was just so against the whole thing for so many reasons. Uh, but I, again, you know, I was told you're restructuring the HR team. <clears throat> you're going to put them all at risk before Christmas. Um, then we'll do joint consultancy at the same time as them having to apply for their roles. And every single one of them will have to re you know, be interviewed for their role in January. I was like, this is like, this is just wrong. This is crackers. Yeah. It's always We're before Christmas right as well. Way. It's always before yeah, Christmas. Yeah, and it's, it was just horrible. And oh. it was that it was that first week back in the January as I sat interviewing my team that I started to really experience the physical signs of burnout. And, of course, I, I didn't know what it was at the time. Um, I sat in these interviews. By lunchtime, I couldn't stand up straight. Like, I literally could not stand up straight. I was crippled over like some kind of 95-year-old woman that would have needed a walking stick. And two of the two of the other panel members, two other directors from the business that I was doing these interviews were like, Kelly, you've got to go home. Like, you cannot, you cannot do this. I'm like, no. You know, any good HR director knows the importance of keeping panels consistent for interviews. And this is my team. I'm, you know, none of us agree with this anyway. I'm not letting my team down. I'm not going to show yeah. that I'm not good enough HR director. I'm not going to show that yeah. I'm not good enough leader. I am not letting my team down. That was on the Wednesday, the Thursday, the pain was even worse like literally had to get taxis because I couldn't walk to the tube so I was getting the you know the kind of train to and from on the uh, taxi to and from Friday was even worse and we're like Kelly you've got to go like you've got to stop it's like no like we need consistency I'm here to support my team not letting anybody down and I, and I just kept on going but that Friday um on the way home I was on the train 
the pain had just got to the, like I was feeling dizzy. I was feeling sick. The pain was unbearable. And I'd gone to the toilet and I have to say, I, and I, I do kind of make light of this, but you know, the toilets on the trains with the, like the disabled ones with the sliding doors. Yes, yeah. Never in my life have I been able to operate one of those doors properly. But on this occasion, I did, right? And I've locked myself into this cubicle. Um, so something was working. Um, but I hadn't realised that I had passed out from the pain until I'd hit my head on the sink in front of me. And that kind of woke me out of, of whatever it was. I hobbled back to my, my seat on the train. Um, I got off at the station and one of my friends had, she she and I, I mean, we we worked like two tube stops away from each other. She'd been on the tra- same train as me, a couple of carriages behind and literally came up behind me and was just like, what the hell is wrong? Her husband was coming to pick her up and they drove me straight to the hospital. And the hospital had no idea what was wrong with me. They thought it might be a water infection. So here's some pills. The pills didn't do anything. And Monday, Monday I was back at work because I had the pills. Nobody really knew what it was. And so Monday I was back at work. And a couple of weeks later, I was admitted to hospital again. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. And this cycle continued for seven months. Oh, Kelly. But the hospital admittances were going from going in and being sent straight home again to maybe a couple of nights in hospital. I had one period where I was in hospital for a week. But I was still working from my hospital bed because I refused, firstly, to admit that there was anything wrong with me, because if it was that serious, right, the doctors would have been able to work out what it was. So, and I could still work, right? And that became my measure. If I can still work, I'm not that ill, right? I can't walk, I can't stand, I can't get out of bed, I can't get rid of this pain, but I can still still type on my laptop, right? So I'm fine. You were there wearing Um, your super superwoman dressing gown in the hospital. I can see it now. Absolutely. And again, I kind of refer to, um, I don't know if you're a Friends fan, but there's that one where uh, they kind of like, what would be different? Like, what would have been different if we'd have followed different paths? There's Phoebe, right, <laughs> in her hospital bed, on her laptop, smoking in the toilet of the, of the hospital. Like, I'm fine, right? That was me. Yeah. Um, and I, I just did not want to let my team down. And I think largely because I knew that what the organisation was trying to do was wrong. I didn't agree with it. And I just felt that I had to be fighting the corner of my team. And that went, literally went on for seven months. I wasn't going to let this toxic environment or this toxic leadership team treat me or my team like this. And I knew if they were doing it to us, they were likely doing it to their other, their other, you know, their team members as well. Yeah. I, I didn't want any of that to happen. So I carried on and carried on. In the July, I ended up then having two operations in 48 hours um, at two different hospitals under two different consultants. And it was when I'd gone back for my checkups with both of those that both of these consultants for the very, very first time spoke to me about burnout. And I was like, I'd never heard of the term before. Like no. This was 2013. Yeah. I'd never heard of the term, didn't know what they were talking about. And they then started to talk, about, talk to me about it being this extreme stress. I was like, I don't do like, stress. I don't do stress. Don't do like, I don't, I don't do stress. Like, do you work in a stressful environment? Like, of course I do, right? But I'm being paid to work in a stressful environment. This is absolutely fine. That's you know, what the, the money's for. <laughs> it was, yeah, right? I've got the salary, I've got the suit, I've got the red-soled shoes, I've got the designer handbags, right? This this is, this what, is what it is. is. Yeah. This is normal. Um, but I think, and I, and I still carried on. I still refused to admit that there was anything <gasps> wrong. And it was, um, I was laying on the sofa one day, 
not long after I'd had the operations and my sons had come home from school. And again, you know, like I just said, right, my, my, am I too ill? If I can work, I'm not, I'm not that ill. Right, I, am, if I can type on a laptop. I am genuinely sat here thinking, what is going to take you to actually go yeah. stop? Yeah. So I am, yeah, yeah. this story is yeah. scary. And it was, it was a comment from my sons. And so I'm laying on, uh, laying on the sofa, mind numbingly bored from daytime TV. By this point, my boss had cut all of my access off to my emails. <laughs> I worked out though, I could still contact all of my teams via my personal email. So obviously didn't know what those were. <gasps> Uh, but I'm laying on the sofa, mind numbing bored from from all of this uh, kind of daytime TV. And my sons had come in from school, and the look on their face was just like you're ill. And I could just tell how worried they were by looking at me. And of course, my response then was, "Don't worry, Mum's going to be absolutely fine, and I'm going to be back at work soon." And they sat on the coffee table in front of me, took a look at each other. And then one of them said, but mum, we don't want you to go back to work because your job is killing you. <gasps> oh my goodness, I've gone all goose pimply. And I was like, my sons were 12 <gasps> and had seen and said something that I had not realised and that nobody else in my family or friends or team or anything had either felt able to say to me or felt that it had got that bad. And in that gut-wrenching moment, I was like, shit, I've got, I've got to... Something oh, happened. Something happened to have to shift. Sent me my goose bumpometers. Um, I mean, every time, every time I talk about it, it's the same. But that that was the thing that caused me to to look at what the hell do you think you're doing? Wow. And that had been going on for so, how long was that then? Because that story so, well, was about seven seven eight months of the physical stuff. Yeah. But I suppose then, as I started to learn more about it, so it was, it was that in that moment I realised something needed to change. And I, I do a lot of meditation, I do a yep. lot of yoga and stuff anyway. And I just got into this kind of really big meditation. It was like you just. This is where I talk a lot about kind of living and leading from our core. It yep. was like in that moment, it was you're you're not being who you are, right? You're trying to be something else. You're trying to fit into something that is not right for you. You're ignoring your gut. You've stepped so far away from your own personal values in this own organisation. It's unreal. Like you've got to get back to you, brilliant. In order to in order to move through all of this, and and that's what I started to do. You know, and I and I, but that was uh, not the first time that I'd gone. I'd gone really short, but I cut all my hair off, um, dyed it all blonde. I bought brand new wardrobe. You know, it was like if I'm going back into this workplace, I went back to the same organisation. But it was like if I'm going back, I'm going back as me. I'm going to dress like me. I'm going to talk like me. I'm going to work like me. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. And this is what I'm going to change. And if they don't like it, tough. But I'm no longer going to try and fit to be like them. Um, and within three months, I've left to start my own company. Oh, Kelly, I wonder how many people are listening to this <coughs> thinking... I can hear bits of me in, in, in Kelly at this moment in time, or I bet this is, well, we talked about the stats earlier. I bet this isn't uncommon, is it? Well, you, that's your, no. that's your profession now. You are an absolute yeah. expert in this area and you help many, many other people mm -hmm. to prevent burnout now, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, I've, I've learned a lot I did you know I wanted to understand so once I once I got to that point I mean I and I, I, I hit burnout again in 2015 
Um, and that second burnout was really as a result of me not, I didn't stop. I didn't allow myself to heal. I didn't allow myself to recover. I'd gone full blown into how could I stop anybody else experiencing what I went through? And the biggest driver that came from that for me was when I'd left this organisation, a few months after I'd left, I got a phone call. I was at a networking event, building, yeah. you know, yeah. building my first consultancy. It wasn't a network, it was a mastermind day. And I got a phone call from one of my old team members at lunchtime to tell me that my replacement had died in her sleep, passed away at a leadership development programme. And I had known this replacement. She'd been a consultant whilst I'd been there. I'd known her. I'd worked with her. She had no previous health issues that they knew of. And I was just like, I just remember feeling completely ripped open. And it was as as a result of that conversation. Like I got, I started like that's two of like I didn't, I didn't. I'm still here. But what the hell has that organisation done? to cause somebody to die in their sleep whilst at a leadership development program. Why had that organisation allowed me to get to the point that I'd got through? And after some digging, nobody had told me this for the years that I was at this organisation, but three previous HRDs had all left with severe health issues prior to me going in. And nobody had said anything to me about this. So I'm like, five, five HRDs, four seriously ill, one no longer with us. Like, what the hell is happening how do we change this? What 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 do we do? And, and I reached out first and foremost to the CIPD to say, what are you doing to HR? Like, I can't believe this is just one organisation. What yeah. are you doing to help us? What are you doing to support us? How can we prevent this? And their response was, you just need to contact your EAP. So contact your employee assistance provider. What? You know, we, we don't deal with it. And I was just like, that's, what? that's pretty disgusting. That's right? Yeah. So <clears throat> I started to... I was like, I need, to, I need to know more about this. So, again, we talk about burnout and, you know, the definition and it's this, you know, workplace phenomenon. It's prolonged periods of high levels of stress. In a lot of ways, I think when we talk about burnout, it kind of feels quite soft. You know, I've seen campaigns on Twitter or, you know, threads on Twitter, yeah. you know, show um, share your gifts to show us how burnt out you are today, right? And I'm like, this is... Like, this is not a joking matter. No, right? this it's is genuinely terrible. not a joking matter. Yeah. So when we talk about burnout, yeah, and when we talk about burnout, I do think we think about it, you know, oh, I'm burnt out, right? I'm, you know, oh, I'm burnt out, I'm burnt out, I'm burnt out. If we look at the definition, and I do, there needs to be lots of stuff done about the definition, but we're talking about prolonged periods of extreme levels of stress. If we talk about high level, like if I, you know, if, we, if I were talking to you about high levels of stress, like seriously high levels of stress, we know that prolonged periods of high levels of really, really dangerous stress can cause heart issues. They can cause mental health issues, digestive issues, autoimmune diseases, um, you know, blood pressure, Definitely. diabetes, strokes. All you know, of this the is above. The, this is the stuff that we're talking about, yes, right? what's but going on in the brain. Absolutely. Exactly. And we seem to have kind of painted over a lot because we, we, we've replaced extreme stress with burnout. And now, it, you know, it, it's kind of softened it a little bit. So uh, the more that I was looking at this, like what had caused it, and I started to do, like I did training in neuroscience. I did training in hypnotherapy and psychotherapy. Yeah. I wanted to understand how our brains were working, what yeah. had caused all of those Definitely. things. And then it was when I um, was looking at the, men it was the mental health first aider. I'd, I'd done some, I'd, I'd been, I was qualified as a mental health first aider. 
And I was just like, like, it's great that we're doing it. I don't want to knock it. I think it's vitally important. But again, like, there's no, there's no, nobody's talking about prevention, right? It's like if you it's like somebody in the organisation that's yeah. Wow. If you see somebody that's suicidal, refer them to this phone number. And I remember doing that and think, like, where's the prevention? And a lot of my stuff that I've been doing, whether it be coaching, whether it was workshops, yeah. was about this kind of like mental health issue prevention, right? Stress prevention, burnout prevention. Yeah. And lots of other things. We're just talking about the sticking plaster. And, and that's, you know, I went on to, and, and created the, the world's very first mental well-being for HR program. Um, I was asked to write the, the book on what's your excuse for not overcoming stress. Um, and I'm just so passionate about this because I, when we see the burnout figures rising and we're talking about burnout, and again, when we look at the severity of it, I know that we can prevent it. I absolutely know that we can prevent it. I'm not interested in, and, and I say this and people are like, oh, you don't help people. Like, yes, I help people with burnout, but I don't want to be like the end of that chain that's like, oh, okay, you burnt out and now let me help you. No. My big driver, and this is why I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing a campaign week in January. Um, so it'll be 10 years in January since this burnout took physical hold of me. So I'm doing a whole campaign week in January. I'm interviewing people. I've got videos. I want social media campaigns and everything because I know we can prevent it. And I want to keep talking about it because I know we can prevent it. Like, I don't want, and uh, like you said about some of the messages that I get, I get messages from people, and even before the kind of book went on sale, and since the book's been on sale, like I'm getting messages from people that I've been following you for years, I didn't think it would happen to me, and now I've had a stroke. I've been following you for years, I didn't think it would happen to me. I've had to, you know, I've had to quit my job because this is what's happening to me. I've, you know, I've, I've had messages from people from their hospital beds that have said, I'm scrolling through LinkedIn, I've just seen your post, I've been following for years, and now I'm in hospital, and I'm worried about what this is going to mean for my job and for my family. You know, I'm a single mum, I'm a single dad. Um, all of these things are happening, and, and uh, like, I just know we can prevent it. And my heart breaks every single time I read one of these stories. And I mean, I know that you're very active on LinkedIn and obviously you've got your book and you get so many, you had your over a million, you went viral with one of your posts that, you know, because because of how important the topics are that you talk about. How can, you're one person, how can yeah. you get this out to the world? How, I mean, I <laughs> I'm trying. If you find the answer to that, Joe, let me know. I, you know, there, there are lots of people that, that are doing it and I, and I think now, you know, they're, I'm, I'm getting connected with more and more people on LinkedIn that are talking about this. I, I've had a conversation with a woman a couple of weeks ago who is actually um, working with some universities and, and some doctors to get more yeah. research done about this, about, about what's causing it. And I'm going to be involved in some of her working groups and, and some of the things that they're doing to talk about it. Um, I see lots of people that are doing similar things now to, to what I'm doing. And and I, I embrace all of that because I think the more of us that are talking about it, the better I still worry that too many of us in that are kind of in this field are talking about what happens when you've been there rather than and that I way. genuinely want to stop it Death. before we get to that point. Wow. You are, you are, uh, I knew, and I knew that you're a, a, a formidable woman on a mission, but this is actually a, this is a crusade and actually yeah. it, it's a hugely important one. It's really interesting. I mean, I, you know, if people are listening to this podcast today, get Kelly on, get Kelly on TV or whatever it is. We need to get you yes, out please. there. 
we need to get you out on, you know, where, because this is huge, isn't it? This is a really big issue. And, and prevention is the answer, isn't it? Prevention rather than curing or not curing from the stories you're talking about. Yeah. So what, so what, let's get to that then. Let's get to prevention. What would your nuggets of advice be for organizations, for leaders and managers to identify those early signs of this could end up at burnout, but we're not going to go there. So what are the things? And it's, and it's <laughs> yeah. not, it's not yoga classes at lunchtime and have a bowl of fruit. What, what is it? No, and I, you know, I love yoga. Right? I'm a qualified yoga teacher. Right? I'm a qualified yoga teacher because I love my yoga and, and kind of that's where I went to. Uh, and, of, and I love fruit, right? I'm yeah. not saying those things don't don't help. Well, I, I, so I suppose, and you said in, you said it in the intro in the beginning. So if we talk about it from a coaching perspective first, and then we can talk about yeah. maybe maybe some of the other things. So um, I wrote an article a, a couple of weeks ago, which was um, I can't remember what I titled it now, but it, I think it was it was something along the lines of like, should you be performance managing your top performers? Oh yeah, I saw that one. Uh, yeah, and. Really, for me, all of that was about the support. I, you know, and I, I'd written about it years ago, and I did. Um, there was a, a panel webinar that I was on a couple of weeks ago. There's a woman called Lucy, and I was like, "You've just said it exactly, it how I would normally say." And I, I haven't been avoiding it, but like from her perspective, right? Um, and excuse the excuse the language here, everybody. But she, you know, from her her perspective and mine, she just did it more, much more eloquently than me. Was lazy bastards don't get burnout. <laughs> <laughs> right and it's like and it's and it's true you know and again I've been talking for years about top performers and what it is that we need to be doing for top performers because again in a lot of organizations we are not looking after our top performers we're not looking after the high achievers yeah. and businesses love a sports analogy right leaders all over the world talk sports analogies <laughs> in all of their talks so you know for, if we look at it from a sports analogy perspective the top athletes, the top sports stars, the top, you know, the top sports, anything in the world, all have an amazing support team around them. They do. Right. They've got their coaches. Yeah. They've got their physios. They've got their nutritionists. They've got, you know, people looking after literally every single part of their body from, you know, mentally, muscles, yes. diet, all of those sorts of things. Top performers in organizations, actually, we just think, okay, Joe, yeah, you're brilliant. You're doing really, really well. So let's give you a bit more. You know, we talk, yes. we, we can continue right well, if you want something doing give it to a busy person so joe you're amazing right you're smashing all of that stuff out let's give you more yeah but we're not then saying what does that support team around you need to look like in order to ensure that mentally emotionally and physically you are supported in the way that you need to be at work so for me coaching for every single i mean every every single person in every organization can benefit definitely but if you're not going to open it up to everybody, you need to be giving it to your top performers first. It's not those that are underperforming that we need to be prioritising. And again, I think when I look at coaching, or certainly when I started bringing coaches into organisations, maybe 2005, for some of the leaders that I was looking at, it was like if you were underperforming or if you had been identified as you know a high potential person, then we'll give you a coach. But if you are a top performer, that is already at the top of your gate. Clearly, you don't need one because you're doing everything you need to do. Don't worry about it. But it's those of us that are absolutely at the top of our game that are pushing harder, yeah. that then start to move closer to burnout. We then start to worry maybe imposter syndrome or fear or being caught out yeah. or yeah. you know not being able to maintain those really high standards. 
And it's that pushing and pushing and pushing that, of course, can increase stress levels and get us to the point where we need to be. So I think everybody absolutely should have coaching. I think that's, you know, that would be an easy fix. Yeah. Not an easy, well, yeah, an easy, an easy yeah. fix in terms of that prevention to, to start yeah. talking about it. Um, I put a post out yesterday morning on, on LinkedIn. Um, it was, you know, not enough staff. Uh, poor communication, poor leadership. I think there were six or seven points on there from conversations that I've had with people recently that are at burnout. And again, I got a message immediately after that that said, your LinkedIn post could have been my resignation letter, right? That's where I'm at. Wow. Um, I've just resigned. I'm going into a new role in three weeks. Over the next three weeks, I've got to focus on being me and looking after me so that I can give my best when I get into this new role in, in three weeks' time. But all of those points could have been my resignation letter. So I think we've got to be looking at communication within organizations we're going to be looking at true leadership within organizations not just saying you've got the job title so you must be a leader that's crap you've actually got to be the leader in the organization and that involves supporting your people listening to your people talking to your people understanding where they're coming from giving them support leading from the front clear direction clarity direction all of those things need to be happening because again I think even if you do bring coaches in right the coaches are not there in replacement for you doing your job as a leader they're there as an additional support to help people move through and yeah I think yeah I, I you know with a lot of the stuff that I do with with leadership teams the conversations that I have with them you know I'll say it all starts with them you know, what are you doing that's contributing to increase? I don't even start talking about burnout, first of all, no. because it, what are you doing to alleviate? You know, what are you doing to remove some of the pressure for your people within the organisation? What are you doing to reduce some of that stress? It's well, you know, it's a stressful organisation. Right. So if it's a stressful organisation and that's that tends to be a kind of casual response. Right? Well, it's, it's a stressful environment. What Why is the is change it? then? Right. Yeah. So they're not getting to the root cause then of what's, you know, what fund if you've thought there was one thing or two or three whatever the key things that organizations need to change right now because this is about today but it's also about the future this is culture this is you know exactly the tone the the toxicity versus Mm non-toxicity what are the things that absolutely you would go have to change right now um to go if i talked if i talk to everybody not just leaders within organizations if i talk to everybody Again, when I talk about this kind of core-led, core-led living yeah. and leading, the first thing is absolutely understanding at a really deep level who you are at your core. Yeah, so you. Right, who are you? What's important to you? What drives you? What frustrates you? What pisses you off? What do you, you know, what excites you? Really, really understanding who you are. You can do that at an individual level and you can do that at organisation level, right? As an organisation, who are we and what is it that we stand for? Yeah. Once we then know who we are at our core, and again, individually and at organisation level, we can do that. That's where, for me, then once you've got that, this is who I am, then we start to put the boundaries in place. Yeah. And those boundaries are, you know, if it is no working after five, it's no working after five. Yeah. If it's flexible working and I can respond at two o'clock in the morning if I want to, let's get that message across. I don't expect a response from people no. at two o'clock if they're a nine to fiver. Um, but boundaries also around communication. Yeah. 
around being able to say no actually that is an unrealistic expectation that you're setting on me so we know who we are at core we set those boundaries and then the third is absolutely taking the time that you need for you so leaders can be allowing people to do that if I need to finish on a Thursday because Friday I've got nothing left in the tank and I cannot do it I don't I don't I don't want to be here tomorrow I need tomorrow off yeah um I want to you know I want to be starting later during the summer holidays I want to be a bit more flexed during the summer holidays because again all of those things that add the stress so the three core things for me for individual and leaders deeply know who you are at the core set the boundaries and take time out that's absolutely brilliant I'm dying to understand I mean this is just a fabulous conversation and really really um Oh, it just feels so purposeful in terms of actually making such a huge change in organisations. Is there um, any, is there a gender um, likelihood on burnout? Is there, you know, is it more people prone to it, less people prone to it? Is there anything that like you could pick out quite early on in somebody's career? Yeah that those people over there could end up in burnout because of X, Y, Z, or is it, is it in them or is it their environment or all of the above? Again, Lots of questions I think, there. Yeah, I, I think a bit of both. Um, I, I mean, the stats are telling up, and I, I am always wary about stats because, yeah. again, depending on the source or what they've yeah. been done, if you're not comparing like for like year on year, um, but certainly what the stats are telling us, you know, we've got we've got one in five people in the UK that are at burnout. We've got one in three women in the UK that are at burnout. Wow. Um, the gender burnout gap has doubled since 2019. Um, and, you know, I, so I think when we're looking at those stats and, and I suppose what causes it, I do think, and again, this isn't for everybody. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't want to kind of, I don't like necessarily blanket statements. But I think if we if we just take the statement of the gender burnout gap has doubled since 2019, I think what we saw throughout 2020 and 2021 was women not only wanting to continue to prove that they could still do everything that they were doing with everything at home, but we were still dealing with a lot of the kind of invisible housework stuff, the invisible office work stuff. Um, And and again, mentally, all of that kind of invisible work takes its toll on us mentally. Definitely. Um, I was speaking to to somebody about it last Thursday, actually. Like my my partner, um, like he does the shopping every week, right? It's an an online shop. He does the shopping every week. That's one of his things to help around the house. But what he doesn't do is plan what all of the meals for next week are going to look like, do the shopping list around everything that we need to plan all of those meals for the following week. But he does the shopping every week. But he's not thinking, how many of the kids have we got here on each night next week? What meals do we need? Who's not going to eat this? Who's not? He's not thinking any of that. He's just (laughs) typing everything into it. Favourites. And so, yeah, exactly. And, And so I think even if we just take that one example, that's what a lot of us are going through thinking right so if we do like what's the knock-on effect how do I make this to work how do I make that work so I think that is what's definitely from my perspective causing this increase in in the gender gap but again I I think we just we've got to be looking out for top performance you know again if, if you look at I don't know, I couldn't tell you how many kind of psychometrics or personality tests I've done or been trained yeah. in over the last 20 odd years. But every single one of those profiles that I've that I have done will say personality type is prone to overworking and high high stress. Right? Yeah. That's so is that just me? Would I always have been burnt out regardless of the environment that yeah. I was in? I don't know. Um 
But yeah, you know, every single one of those will, you know, overworker, overachiever, prone to high stress. And so I think if you... So there's a red flag there straight away. Yeah, right? So if you already know that you're prone to... Like if literally the writing is on the wall that says prone to high stress. Um, I mean, I I don't know. Maybe there's something there about like career choices or I, I, I don't know. But I also know that I thrive on high press on high pressure and high stress so actually if you take that away from me i'm more likely to probably end up depressed and bored Bored. and not having anything to do because i'm at i'm at the completely other end of the other end of the spectrum so yeah it's a really difficult one to manage and i think even when we start looking and talking about like the symptoms and signs of burnout so many of those could be so many other things like in women it could be menopause symptoms yeah it could be, you know, it could be signs of autoimmune issues. It could yeah. be signs of heart issues. It could be signs of, of mental health. But I think the biggest driver, if I look at all of those things that separate, the biggest thing for me that says you are really close to burnout is that need to feel that you have to be constantly switched on. As soon as there is that switch in your head that says, I've got to keep going, I've got to keep going, I've got to keep going. Because if I stop something's gonna like almost something's gonna break if there is that driver of I've got to keep going I've got to keep going I've got to keep going for me that is a really red a real red flag flag. you're making me feel uncomfortable by this (laughs) it feels like you've just held a mirror right up to my face I had a conversation just this morning with some of my team going, I feel like I've got to just keep going, keep going, because I'm now doing on the Saturday, writing the book on the, a Friday. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Friday, Joe. Well, yeah, but it's not always Friday, so it's Saturday now. And they're like, yeah. Joe, listen to yourself. What would you be saying to us? Ah, what I'd say to you is very different yeah. to me, what I say to myself. Yeah. How bad's that? Yeah. So I, I am, yeah. you have just, yeah, I need a yeah. holiday. Um, but yeah, wow. Definitely. So... Where do you so the world is not seeming to get any slower, it's getting faster mm-hmm. and 24/7 on. So that on switch. However, yeah. people more and more people are getting aware of well-being, mental health. Um, you know, you hear the word self-care, whether you like that phrase or not, but that yeah. kind of terminology is out there a lot more. Resilience and all these great things. So where do you see the future going? Because it feels like there's two different agendas there. There's like, we're going faster. Everything's 24-7. Technology's enabling a lot of that. But we are becoming more aware of it. Is there going to be a point in time where actually a giant light bulb goes on in the world and actually, no, we have we have to slow down right now? Or are we just going to get faster and, and your, your job is going to become ever more important? Is, is yeah, that where we're I, heading? Are we heading for a burnout yeah, I, crash? I'd love to. I would love to think that yes, as the awareness for slowing down, self care, well being, all of. I'd love to think that as that awareness shifts, at the same time that everything's speeding up, yes, there's going to be this giant light bulb, and everyone's ah, <laughs> oh, we don't need to go with the flow of the pace. Um, but I, I don't think it is, you know. And, and again, I think at the very very start of the pandemic, I can remember one of my very first lives in March of 2020 saying, if we do not start to look after ourselves and our people now, the next pandemic is going to be burnout. And I, and I did not say, you know, I I didn't, and I didn't say that lightly. And when I continue to speak to people with the messages that I get, um, with the statistics that I continue to see grow, I genuinely don't think that we're that far away. Now, of course I then get, you know, the the science, like the medical, well, you know, 
burnout can't be a, you know can't be a pandemic because it's not disease and <laughs> and I'm like but like the gist okay the semantics it, right? yeah. let's, let's talk about the gist of it yes um and and what's going to happen and, and I do think that's the point that we're getting to you know we're seeing a lot more of the younger generations that are coming into the workplace experiencing burnout oh. much much more quickly we're seeing you know my age but we I mean there's, there's not an age group that burnout isn't impacting there doesn't seem to be a a job level that burnout isn't impacting you know there's 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 not a proportion of of people that are not experiencing burnout and and I, I just think we've got to, we've got to be taking it much more seriously. And again, I and I think, I, and I get the semantics of burnout and the pandemic and those sorts of things. But I, I do wonder if we were if we were talking about extreme stress, dangerously health impacting stress levels, yeah. we would be taking action to deal with it much more quickly. Yeah. I think the fact that we talk about burnout and we can use, you know, gifs on on oh. Twitter, you know, show me your burnout today, everybody. Oh. I think the fact that we can make light of it in that way, in some ways, is 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 making it harder to deal with. Yeah, because, because everybody's frightened of the word stress and extreme yeah. stress. That's like that's yeah. a terrifying phrase. But, but yeah. you're right, burnout is kind of like, oh. You burnt out. You know, it's kind of, it's, it's undermining like it the word. Yeah, and it feels like it's almost it replaced busy, right? I'm oh. sure you will be there, right, you know, 10 years ago, maybe even five years ago, right? How are you? Oh, I'm busy. How are you? Oh, I'm busy. You know, like busy seemed to be like this badge of honour. Yeah. And people would then compete, wouldn't they? How busy I like, am, yeah. I'm, I'm, well, I'm busier than you, Joe. Because, oh, no, you're not, Kelly, because I've got all of this stuff. Well, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm yeah. busier than you. No. And it almost kind of became that. And, and I wonder if, again, we've replaced the word busy with burnout. How are you? Well, you know, I'm feeling a bit burnt out today. I'm feeling that. And, again, I see, you know, there's there's so many posts that I see all over social media. There was a, a guy a couple of weeks ago, huge following, hundreds of and comments of reactions and, and all sorts of things. But, you know, he's like, I felt a bit burnt out, went away with the wife and kids for four days and now I'm feeling better. And everyone's like, oh, well done you, man. Like, this is well done you on taking the time out. Well done you on spending time with the wife and kids. Well, you know, and it was, and from my perspective, I'm like, and I'd love to say that it fixes it, but if it's genuine burnout, a four-day break right. with your wife and kids is not fixing burnout. No. No, this so is again, a sus- long sustained yeah. Yeah. issue. Yeah. And so that's an interesting thought. Oh, wow, I could speak to you, although we knew that anyway. Is burnout becoming a badge of honour? And um, that is frightening. That is really frightening. Yeah. It, it's but we're disgusting. not, you know, again, if, and from a language perspective, yeah. if we were talking about extreme chronic stress, probably 99% of the people that are using the word burnout would never ever put themselves in that category. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I think it's a bit of both. I've I've gone away from your question. So in terms of the question, what do we do? You know, how can we stop it? I think, again, the awareness raising is vitally, vitally important, but the change has to start with us. Yes. If I know that scrolling through my phone until midnight is going to cause me to not sleep, that's then going to cause me to be more stressed the following day, I've got to be able to do some of those boundaries. And I think just because the world and technology and everything else is moving at that fast pace does not mean that every single one of us needs to try and catch up with it. 
No. You know, that, that's the reality of it. I, I am allowed to take holidays. I am allowed to work a full day week. I am allowed yeah. to not work at a weekend. Yeah. I am allowed to do my yoga first thing in the morning, yeah. right? I am allowed to say to people, I'm not doing that this week because I've got too much on already. Yeah. And so I think as as the technology changes, because the demand is definitely there, definitely. right? Again, when I first started my career back in 98, I didn't. I mean, I didn't even have an email address when I when I first started there, mm-hmm. right? And yet now my email's in my pocket twenty four seven. It's up to me to set that boundary to say mm-hmm. I am not responding after a certain amount of time. Yeah. Okay. So. And so many of us don't do that. And again, from a leadership perspective, not enough leaders are allowing people to do that. If some of the people again that I speak to. Why didn't they respond to that email at 10.30 last night that told them that this important thing needed dealing with? Because your people do not work at 10.30 no. at night, right? That's why they did not respond to you. Wow. So there's so much potential and opportunity to really raise the awareness, do something about it. But you're saying fundamentally, in the words of our f- joint friend, Tim Roberts, it always starts with you. So it's got to start Absolutely. here. You set your yep. boundaries and then leaders have got to absolutely amplify those messages and role model them or what's right for them might not be right for others. So just continue um, to, to prevent this. It is about prevention, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I'm absolutely. I, it's really interesting in terms of the language you've talked about then in terms of extreme stress versus burnout and some people, <laughs> you know, how they're using burnout and actually undermining the severity of actually really how bad this is. And some of the stories yeah. you've shared today, Kelly, really, I do have a goosebumpometer and you've set it off loads, um, which I knew you would because of the feeling I get from your LinkedIn posts. I'm like, wow, this is leaving me with some real level of emotion here. And, um, and, and sometimes you'll shock and kind of like a heartache and sometimes I'm like wow um is there anything else you'd like to share today because I think I could talk to you forever about this topic I think it's fascinating and it's my 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 hope for anybody listening is that they need to they need to spread your word through you as well how can you get on this crusade even more I know you've got your own podcast you've got your own business you've got um your books plenty of books yeah yeah how do you get even more of a like you've you've definitely got the loudspeakers but how do you get them out to the world because this feels like you could make such you know you you can make such a huge difference to organizations and the world out there this is this is phenomenal um so how do people contact you or how do they get you to speak even further about this uh, so definitely linkedin is is where i'm most active so anybody can get hold of me via via linkedin or you know follow the posts and again there's there's videos and all sorts of stuff you can buy the book on amazon actually mind the gap yes love it love it um, so yeah, by the book, um, I speak to lots of different audiences on lots of different platforms and lots of different stages about this. I am, as you've probably gathered from this conversation, which I'm going to talk about this stuff for hours, Absolutely. days. Yeah. Um, and I'm and I and I'm more than you know more than happy to continue to talk about it. You know, I love I, I say I love talking about it. It needs talking about. Yes. So the more of that that, that I can do, um, the better, really. But yeah, you can LinkedIn is is the best place or uh, the website kellyswinder.com. And, and watch this space for um, TV TV appearances for Kelly Swingler, all about burnout. Well, here's hoping, Joe. Here's hoping. The book has been sent to lots of different people. You know, I'm like, not, not been afraid to get that out there. 
Um, and I'm, uh, I'm I'm bashing a couple of magazines at the minute that told me last November yeah. that they would do something on burnout in January, and they still haven't. So I'm I'm bashing them. Uh, and as I said, I've, you know, I've, I've got the campaign. So if, if anybody, you know, if, if anybody has got a burnout journey, yeah, um, sure. or even I'm, I'm into, I'm actually interviewing one person who was who was a is also a manager who feels that they were responsible for burnout of some of their people. So you know, I'm I'm going no hold barred in terms of these conversations in wow. January. So if anybody wants to be part of that platform, yeah, um, you can just book directly via the website excuse me um and again i'm going to be asking people to you know to just keep sharing so i want that whole week flooding social media with instance you know this is what burnout looked like for me this is what we need to do to prevent it i want all of that out there first first week of jam so yeah please please help but i just know that we can prevent it like this is something we don't have to be living with we don't have to be talking about it we can absolutely prevent it Kelly, you've been an absolute pleasure and a joy and I've loved our conversation. Genuinely could have listened to you all day talk about this topic and it's such an important topic. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, Kelly. And for anybody else who wants to listen to more of our Coaching Culture podcast, please do tune in to Coaching Culture. Um, But we will have more fabulous guests with such amazing topics like Kelly has just shared today. So thank you.